Hello, and welcome to this special series of episodes called 29 Days of Magic. During Black History Month, the month of February, I'll be interviewing a Black woman a day who's from business and entrepreneurship. You name it, I'm going to have a chat with her. The idea for this is to show off the amazingness of Black women throughout various industries. I hope you take a listen, like, share, review, and be inspired by these incredible stories. Take a listen. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Reset Podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Yell, CEO of the Cultural Communications Agency, The Flash. Each week, I bring a different business leader and entrepreneur who's doing game-changing work. And this episode is no different. I'm so excited to have Arlene Peterson, who's the founder and CEO of Peterson Ventures, LLC, uh, come talk about travel, work, fashion, high heels in some way, shape, or form, and so much more. It's going to be a great conversation. Take a listen. Hey, Arlene. Hi, Laura. <laughs> Long time no see. <laughs> no physically see. This is true. Um, I'm so happy to have you on the show. Um, and you probably more than anybody else knows how this podcast works. Uh, the first question is always the same. So, Arlene, what was your first job? My first job was I was a summer camp counselor at my mother's summer camp that she did, uh, that she was a part of at St. Francis of the City in Brooklyn, New York. I was 14 years old. That doesn't seem legal. Well, because I was a summer camp counselor and only working and my mother was not in charge of the camp at the time. It was mm-hmm. legal. Because I got hired by technically the nun who was in charge, but my mother was one of the teachers. Uh-huh. And I'm guessing you learned a lot from that, considering that I point of personal pressure. Obviously, I've known Arlene for years and have worked with her around the world, um, that she just gets stuff done. So I feel like when you were 14, you were also getting stuff done getting stuff done and under my mother's eyes. So definitely getting stuff done because I didn't want to hear it when we went home. Um, Really, I enjoyed it because it gave me, first it gave me my first taste of responsibility outside of the house, outside of some chores. Um, I loved working with the kids, um, loved working with my coworkers slash other counselors. And it was just, it was a fun time. And we got to go ahead and we got paid for basically looking after a bunch of kids who loved us for the most part, and, you know, we kept them in line. It was great times. Got it. Well, like I said, it's funny, like, everybody's first job, whoever comes on the show, always correlates to what they do now. Uh-huh. And now that I know, I can't, if I didn't know this, um, but you were a camp counselor educating the babies, this only makes perfect sense as to how what you do now. All lines, you see, I've been preordained to be doing this stuff. It's, it's, you it's, didn't, it's, you didn't have a choice because, like, basically, from the age of fourteen, you're like, "Yep, this is what I'm doing." <laughs> so, um, for those who don't know, it would be great for you to share. How did you go from being awesome uh, camp counselor to um, fabulous Arlene with the heels today? What was that journey like? So the camp, the other reason why I bring up the camp counselor thing is because I went with other camp counselors, we all went to go see Boomerang in the movie theater. And that is where I saw Jacqueline Boyer and her amazing fabulous self. And I said, I don't know what she does, but I want to do that. Mm-hmm. And that is where I got into learning about what marketing was. 
even though, you know, and then um, went to a high school that was business focused, which was FDR High School in Bensonhurst, Brooklyn. Went to Drexel University, where I majored in marketing. Wanted to, I wanted to be like CMO of Coca-Cola. That was my goal. And when I was doing my internships uh, in college and caveat, Drexel University is one of three or four universities in the country that has a cooperative education platform where you go through school for six months and you work for six months full time in a rotation for three to four, for two to three years. Wow. And I, and I took the three year option. So I actually graduated in five years. So I, so I had three internships that were basically within my curriculum. Um, and when I, when I literally worked my way into working for the local Coca-Cola affiliate in Philadelphia, because I networked my way in, um, that's where I discovered um, experiential marketing. That was the department that they put me in. They were like, you just have a natural knack for this. You're in marketing, you like people, people like you. And that's where I learned from basically one of the best of how do you market to people and that's where I was like oh my god I'm like 20 years old running um promotions in Philadelphia with my coke van driving around it was ridiculous and amazing and I loved every second of it um from there when I graduated it was the dot-com right when the dot-com bubble was about to burst I ended up working at uh, fortune magazine at on fortune.com. I was a admin and then ended up being a producer there. Then dot-com bubble burst, got laid off. And that's where I started working for myself. I, you know, the quarter life crisis in case no one has ever said this, I'm going to say it right now, somewhere around 23 to about 27, 28. When that first round of, well, I've done everything I was supposed to do with why, has, why isn't everything like aligning? I don't have a job. What's happening here? Whatever, whatever. I decided to go and take my actual really first love, which was fashion, talking to friends. Again, I'm a really friendly person. I had friends in every genre of, of industry and a friend of mine worked in the music industry. She was like, well, I know somebody who's looking for a fashion assistant and ended up working at, uh, working with Misa Hilton and Groovy Lou, who are two of the hip hop architects, fashion architects. And I was one of their fashion assistants at The Source Magazine. So I got to be in fashion and I loved it. Did it for about a year and some change. And then there was the point where I was like, I have a degree. I don't want to do this anymore. And then a friend asked me if I was interested in helping her out, who was in at, working at Uniworld, which is one of the black owned advertising agencies she was going away for three months um and needed somebody to cover for her and i came in i interviewed started working as an event manager at uniworld and that's how i got into advertising all of this happened literally because of two things one i have a curious personality and two i have no problem getting the work done and it legitimately went from working in fashion to I'm tired of doing this, to moving into advertising, been in, in multicultural advertising ever since. 
And Laura mentioned about the whole babies thing. Here's how we get into the full circle. Um, 2014, uh, another mutual friend of ours, Mary Pryor, hit me up, was like, hey, you wanted to teach, right? Well, FIC is looking for an adjunct professor in the marketing department. And I was just like, this is one of my life goals is to be a professor. Totally. And I taught at FIT for five years, teaching marketing and advertising. Um, the 101 class, basically. PR, marketing, advertising, and event, events management. And then uh, been here working off and on for myself, different stints in different ad agencies where I work full time, but pretty much doing multicultural and, um, and or focused marketing. It's funny, I mean, because obviously I know you well, <laughs> um, but it is really awesome to hear your story. And you do not give yourself enough credit <laughs> um, because I think one of the things that makes you so unique is that um, you speak the language of wherever you go. And that is something that is difficult to find when working with uh, teams and producers. Um, because you can be dropped into any weird situation, which I have put you in many. And you're like, okay. <laughs> I have been, that is for sure. I was like, hey, Arlene, you want to like go and like figure out how to get a whole bunch of books to a bunch of independent bookstores in the middle of nowhere and have them all do the event at the exact same time all around the country on a Saturday before Mother's Day? You're like, okay. Sure. <laughs> Basically, I've, I've always been like I like challenges, which thank you, Laura, for providing challenges consistently. I appreciate that. Uh, also, I love the other part, which we didn't get a chance to get into, which I will, is I love to explore. I love to travel. Mm -hmm. And um, basically being able to figure out how to bring an experience to people in real life where then to either touch the product, smell the, the, the shampoo, feel the makeup on their face. Those are things that I really enjoy doing because that is what resonates with the consumer. And, you know, putting my pseudo militant hat on, I want to focus and really do have, and I think less than focusing on the African-American and Latino communities, which is, which is where my background is. I am Afro-Latina. Um, and I have been that person who's been out here talking about, hi, we exist. Hi, I am not an oddity because we just don't understand that Black people speak Spanish and we come from different countries. Um, my parents are Panamanian. My parents came to this country, you know, to make sure we had better lives than they would have been able to give us in Panama. And, you know, my, my sister and I are very thankful for that. When it comes to the travel aspect, I've always loved to just, you know, pick up and go. I literally chose my university. I was actually, I was between the University of Miami and Drexel University. And I chose Drexel because I did not want to be super far from home, but far enough that my parents had to call me before they came to see me. So, because originally I wanted to go to UCLA and then I was like, oh, that's 5,000 miles. That's a little too far from me. Um, and with that, you know, traveling, loving to explore all of that and doing events, doing promotions, things like that, it actually ended up morphing into part of what I do with my company is creating cultural travel experiences for clients. So we focus, I focus on um, the carnivals. So Trinidad Carnival, Jamaica Carnival, 
Um, I can put you on a beach with a, with a mojito and call it a day. That's perfectly fine too. But my focus is cultural travel. So we go to carnival, but it's not just about we putting on pretty feathers and in a bikini and running around the street. It's you learn about the culture, you learn about the country. Um, and my clients come back to me because of that. Um, that's one aspect of what I do. The other aspect of what I do with my business is creating ex- beautiful experiential opportunities. Laura is one of the partners that I work with. I've been doing work with, um, you know, one of my, when I was in the agency land, I helped create my Black is Beautiful. Taking that from 13, 14 years ago is now more to me doing this, a similar experience for Unilever at Essence two or three years ago. And all of these things basically highlight women of color in a light that is positive. That is all I want to do. And people, you, you don't get highlighted the way you should be. And it's not because you don't have the stories. It's just that mainstream media chooses to highlight what they want. Well, you know, it's one of the things that I adore about you is that you take on the projects that make us be as fabulous as we all should be. And, you know, you know, you know, I've made this joke repeatedly, like, I won't do any trauma porn projects. Mm-hmm. Like, if it's about the struggle and how difficult things are, DF and me are not the are not the place for you. And you're similarly where you are about making the world see us in our beautiful senses, which is why, you know, uh, your obsession with shoes is fascinating to me because <laughs> your shoes tell a story. And I'd love for you to talk about that because I think, especially now, because remember when we met, I was like, okay, even now in this cold, you're wearing new shoes. And you're like, yes, I am. Yes. <laughs> um, but how they tell a story. So shoes to me have always been a way to express myself, even if you can't see me or you don't get a chance to talk to me, you will say something about, you will see the statement that my shoes make. Um, I love stilettos. I love wearing high heels. I also recognize not everybody can do that. That is perfectly fine. I am not trying to put everybody in a four or five inch stiletto. That's not my job. But what I do want people to recognize and realize is that you have an opportunity to express yourself even when people don't get a chance to see you. And that's why fashion is also so important to my identity, but not necessarily consoles me. It is about you see who I am and how I present myself from the shoes up. And it actually is something as, you know, this this panini, as I like to give the pandemic its nickname. Um, this panini for you? Okay. Or the Panera. Or whatever else so I can panorama. <laughs> whatever else I can call it so I can get a chuckle. Um, my family, you know, my ancestors, they come like my grandmother was a seamstress. My uncle was a tailor. Um, my father prided himself on how he presented himself. My mother very much so, even though she, you know, she's more laid back, she's very much like, we're not doing certain things because it's just the way we're not doing. It. And, you know, I thoroughly enjoyed the space that we're in now where more black um, designers are getting featured and getting seen. Um, my recent birthday purchase um, <laughs> you know, was a pair of uh, Amina Jamil high heel sandals with a big bow on the side, which are very distinct. But again, it's something that made me happy. And I never tell any, like, my sister wears high heels. My mother 
she wouldn't put anything on past like you. And just, if, 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 if even, she's like, I don't know where you got this from. And then she also teases me. She's like, I know exactly where you got it from. You got it from your aunt. Um, so it's part of the identity. And fashion is such a identifier for people of color. It is how we have decided to present ourselves in a society that has consistently tried to demean us. It has consistently tried to put a, a trope out that we are lesser than. So that's why things like sun, you know, on Sundays, people got, when they went to church or they went out, they put their, their best clothing on, they put the hats, everything like that. Something that we don't do as much anymore, but it is still part of that. It is part of the pride. I don't put it on anybody else to do it, but I do want everybody to get the opportunity to put their best foot forward in the way that they feel most comfortable. That's why I say, if you can't put on the four inch of those, please don't, because I will talk about you if you're walking around here looking like a newborn folks. Don't do that. <laughs> like me? <laughs> Laura is not one for the four and five inch stiletto crew. That is perfectly fine. Um, but again, I'd rather you be wearing some, some fly ass shoes that are in that space because it expresses who you are. Laura also got me out of one of this is this is always gonna be funny. One of the the things that you end up doing because you work in events is you always go black because you are supposed to be in the background. I actually enjoy being in the background. As much as I like to prance around and be be, you know, be seen, I actually like being in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, but Laura was the first one who was like, we're running the event. We do not wear black. Period. And I was like, you're right. You must look like the authority for this. Do not wear black anymore. And from there, I've taken that and, and made sure I don't do that anymore. So thank you for that. But it also puts you front and center because, like, there should there, you are the shot caller. You are not the, you are not the staff. You are the ones who manage manage the staff. But you are the ones who everyone needs to see is in charge because it's uh, the whole other level, which you have noticed, my darling. Mm-hmm. Um. And, you know, thinking about that, you know, you know, being in this crazy world that we're in events, and obviously the land of travel has, you know, you know, wrecked our industries. You know, what have you seen as, like, where the future of travel is going and events? Like, what, you know, because obviously you have a unique perspective of both working in the travel industry and in events. So what I'm seeing now are people are, are making concerted efforts to, there's there's a there's two spaces actually. You have the I don't give a damn. I'm going to go ahead and celebrate my life, and you know I shouldn't live in fear mentality. And those who are traveling to certain places that encourage that particular behavior. Um, and then you have those who are like, I want to get away because I need a mental break. I cannot be looking at the same four walls anymore. I need to go see something, and I will, and I want to do it safely recognizing that we are in a situation now that does not lean towards the way that we socialized and the way that we interacted as humans in the past. What this is right now is a reset. And I know a lot of people are like, oh no, we're gonna go back to normal. There is no normal after this. This is going to be who we are now. We will, we will have to get to the point of getting used to wearing masks, but it's also, we have to get used to the point of being around people in a deliberate sense, no more of a happenstance. So that's a little bit of the disconnect. This week it would be Carnival Week for Brazil and, and Trinidad. There is major um, 
what we like to call Tabanka, which is remembering and reliving the memories of Carnival um, going on for people. And what, because it's such a cultural, it's ingrained culturally in the countries of Brazil and Trinidad, these are, it's really hard to reset yourself. But it, what I have been seeing now are you have your free concerts, you have the live stream, you have the, the, the concerts that are taking place are taking place outdoors so that way, you know, you have more space. And, but you still can't, you can't pack in 10,000 people. You're going to pack in 500. So it's more deliberate now that I'm seeing when it comes to travel and when it's, when it comes to events. No more is it this, I'm thinking about doing things a certain way. I, it, where I could just kind of hop in and hop out. And those who are doing it that way are getting penalized, um, whether it be the, the social shaming of travel online, which certain aspects of that I, I understand, but others, people are going to make their choices. So at this point, you telling them, telling somebody, I can't believe you went to Tulum. Mm-hmm. They already went. It's their money. They want, they choose to go ahead and go someplace that way. That's their business. However, if someone decides that they're going to go to Mexico, go to another point of, of like Costa Rica to go ahead and charge, you're going to give, you're not going to give them the same status. You're not going to give them that same negative that you would to somebody who's clearly going to like a Tulum because they want to go. So the choices are yours when it comes to events. Um, I do encourage those who want to travel to, because first of all, it is necessary. If you are able to travel at this time and you are comfortable with the restrictions that are currently in place, such as multiple testing, the potential that if you do end up testing positive when you're overseas, you may need to extend your stay. I have unfortunately heard some horror stories and there's actually one going on right now. Um, to for people to understand that this is still a privilege to go and visit another country during this time. So you have to put the precautions into place. If you feel the need to do it, if you feel the need to travel, I am I am going to be the last person to discourage you. However, I do make it very clear, even when my potential clients are like, I, I think I want to travel, I'm like, have you been tested? Have you tested multiple times as of, at, before you even call me? When you decide to book, you have to you have to provide me with a test just so because in my conscience I'm not going to sell you someplace or try to get around um restrictions because it will I have to live with that um for and and you know for instance I've told you this before but I tell the, the, the crowd here that's listening to us I don't sell VR I do not sell the Dominican Republic that is my personal stance I don't do it for my reasons, which is the way that the Dominican government currently treats Haitian, Haitian Americans, uh, Haitian Dominicans in the country, I refuse to go ahead and support the country through tourism in that capacity. That's my choice. I refer people if they've asked me for Dominican Republic um, trips, no problem. I have somebody else who can do that for you. I, again, it's your choice you will hear me and I will make my stance very well. I've, I have recommended clients not to go to Tulum at this point. Again, this is Because <laughs> everyone and their mother just tried to go to Tulum and you're like, stop that. <laughs> um, this goes back into that, 
when you went, when people were going there, the attractions to Tulum was not necessarily going to Tulum. It was the fact that they were more lax in right. their enforcement. So you wanted to feel like something back to what normal was, but that goes back to my original point. We no longer have that experience. This is essentially going to be the normal for a while until whatever is out there is under a version of control that worldwide we can all handle. We're not there yet. We're getting there, but we're not. So virtual life is where we're going to be at. Um, another thing that I've seen, um, which I think is absolutely interesting, um, some of these carnival experiences, they're using virtual. So the Oculus, um, having the Oculus goggles and putting yourself on a virtual beach to go ahead and party with other people from around the world. It's very interesting to see them try this concept. And again, I appreciate them trying. Is it something I participate in? If I had Oculus glasses, maybe, uh, just to see it. But it's also, you have, now people are thinking outside of the box and how do I go ahead and explore outside of what I've been used to? And that's actually the exciting thing of what's happening now. Well, you know, yeah, I mean, there's so much. I mean, for me, you know, it's just, if we can't go live, we just can't go live, people. And I get it. Uh, and, you know, if you make the proper precautions, then no one should shame you for it. But I also don't think you should be all over the Instagrams, like basically saying, ha ha, look at me, you all are stuck at home. You know, do what you got to do. And then, you know, be cool about it. Like, I, that's my, that's been my whole thing around this. It's like, you got to get out of here because it is obviously extremely difficult. I mean, I haven't been on a plane in a, almost a year now. And in it's hard. This was before all this went down. You were on a plane every other month. <laughs> exactly. I looked at my, I looked at my, you know, my iPhone has all of my like plane tickets. Mm -hmm. um, for the um, with the boarding passes, and I looked in the, the other day, and it was just a stream. Oh, and I was like, I didn't realize I traveled that much. Mm -hmm. But like, it was going back nine years, and I had been on a plane pretty much every other month for nine years. And so to be home, you know, has afforded different opportunities. But it's definitely difficult. But I'm also like not crazy, and I understand the universe that we're living in. And I wish more people would just you know understand that it's. It will get better, but it's something we all have to kind of go through. Yeah. And it goes into the, the mentality of it's about us, not about yourself. So it's the consistency of being focused about, hey, I can, technically I'm a healthy woman. I should be able to run around wherever I want. However, I want to see my mama. So what does that mean? Sit my butt home for a little while. That's, that's what that means. That's all it means. That's all it means. Just for my love of God. No longer. It's okay. It's, just it's such time. a It's officially a year because this all started going down when I was in Trinidad last year. Uh-huh. And I, was, I remember looking at the, the news reports when we would get back to the room like, this is interesting. Ah, it's going to blow over. Oh, I don't know if it's going to go over. Oh, it hit New York. Oh, we, oh, okay. And we've shut down. <laughs> and we're done here. <laughs> right. So it goes back into that whole, like, didn't expect it to now where we are. So it's like, okay, we, now we know where we are. Now it's going to go back. Um, how we change and how we morph and how we 
move forward is really what's going to be the interesting part. Exactly. You know, thinking about all that and growth, can you talk about a time where you're like, okay, this challenge is insane. I'm never going to find my way through it. And then you did. Um, looking the back. The events are not allowed. <laughs> say it again? The events are no not allowed. No, the events are not allowed. No, this one event, no. Um, no, seriously, the last activation I did for Essence, that was more challenging than I was expecting, just because they were, they were just things that were going on behind the scenes that unfortunately we, the, the group that I was working with, we didn't have control over. And that I think was the more, most frustrating part um, where you know, working with clients, all of us know and understand clients can be challenging. Clients have their demands. They want certain things to happen. Um, one thing that was challenged of me was to create basically a whole new activation within the activation a month before we were supposed to be at, in New Orleans. Like final renderings had already gone to the convention center type stuff. And I'm like, wait, what? You want what? course I pushed back but it's the client so had to make it happen it turned out great it ended up turning to be a um a focal point and consumers were really excited about what we ended up doing but really that ends up with almost every challenge and that's what I appreciate about once you end up working within this system not even this system just working for yourself in general figuring it out that's where it is um the one of the things that I fall back on is like, I was really great at algebra. Like innately, I could figure things out like A plus B equals C, whatever. But algebra teaches you to look for what that, that X is, right? How do you fit it in? And what's the number? So I'm good at that. And I, and I take that to be able to like, take that to the clients, take that to my consumers, take that to customers. How do I give you what you're looking for? Understanding that I have to, there's gonna be some mining that has to happen. But at core, I want to give everybody the best experience that you can get for what you can afford. I, and also, you may not be able to afford me. That's fine. I will refer you to somebody else. But I also want to, I don't want to be resentful of the time that I give to you because I want to help you so badly. That's not going to be, that's not beneficial to me or you. I love that. And it is so, so true. And, you know, thinking about all the kind of crazy stuff that you've done and traveled and seen, you know, what would you think you'd tell 25-year-old Arlene? What I would tell 25-year-old Arlene is, A, don't quit when it gets hard. It's not that serious. I probably would have been in fashion a little longer had I not gotten a little scared about a mistake I made, which really wasn't that big of a deal. But the way I left it was unprofessional. And that would have been the one thing I would have told myself, like, chill out, sit, you'd be fine. Um, I probably would have been in fashion a little longer because of that. But it allowed me to get into advertising, which is something, you know, multicultural advertising, which is something I loved. And be able to, you know, also offer opportunities for the people I work with and the, the associates and the colleagues that I've gotten a chance to, to be with. You never know where you get a chance to, down the line, be able to hire somebody in to maybe style this project or be a part of this uh, discussion. Um, you know, I had mentioned before about being Afro-Latina. I wrote into Black Enterprise maybe when I was 25. 
talking about being Afro-Latina because they put somebody on the cover who was like, I think she was Black Puerto Rican. That took me on that journey. And now I speak on different panels about the marketability about Afro-Latina guys. It's not just about, I'm, I'm not sitting here having you decide whether or not I exist. I know I exist. It's not my fault you don't have a clue about Black people outside of the, the boat stop of America. That's really not my fault. Figure it out now. The information is there. Now it's my job to let you know about the fact that you're literally leaving money on the table because you are so in a construct, a mental construct of what you feel Latinidad is, and it's not true. Considering that Black people gave so much to the culture of Latin countries all over the world, with the exception of, and I can't even say with the exception of Spain, including Spain, everywhere. And just, and just to put this out there, because, you know, this is this is my years to, to make sure this is clear. Spain is not Latino. Spain is a colonizer. Spain colonized everybody. They are just as white as England and France. Please stop making them sound like they're minorities. They're not. Thank you very much. Tell it. <laughs> <laughs> it fascinates me. It legitimately fascinates me. Hispanic Heritage Month actually celebrates Spain in one of the um, one of the days. I'm like, how? We, how? Don't, we don't celebrate England when we have July Fourth. Why are we celebrating Spain? They mm -hmm. colonized. They're white. Well, they're white Spaniards. I mean, whatever do you mean? Period. They're white. <laughs> not white Spaniards. Not no white. Because that's also a part of it, right? They exactly. Have, they have marketed themselves to become a minority when they never were. They are Europeans. They are white. They are just as white as the Germans, as the French, and the English. They are white. That's it. They have a. There's no the whole like oh well the Moors and North Northern um, Africans who came to the country. The amount of percentage of black within that country is the same amount of. Black that's in Italy. Now I'm running around saying Italians are black a little bit, but they still don't have that much. It's the same mentality. So it's, it's, that's something that I want for the next 10 years. So that, that's like my mini crusade right now of Spaniards are white. I appreciate that. And I think more folks, because that's the thing. Well, that's part of the reason I wanted to be on the show because I wanted you to talk about being Afro-Latina because I, you know, everyone has to understand that not everybody is what you have supposed they they are because of your preconceived notion and um honor people's heritage and get out of the way uh is so very very important um especially at this moment where it's like yeah no longer are we gonna stand by and be quiet about this it's like no like you know we ha we all have beautiful wonderful things to offer you will honor my heritage full stop it's part of the reason why I yeah, it's part of the reason why I now I go by Mignon now. Like the correct that's like, you know, that's the correct pronunciation of my name, not the Americanized version. Right. Um and it's like because like that's how my name is set. And so every part of you is fantastic and should be honored. Um and that's how we get to be in a better place. Speaking of better place, this has obviously been a stressful year. Yes. What in the world do you do for your self care since you are, can only wear heels in your house. 
So I may have bought more shoes than I needed. <laughs> may have, did, absolutely. Better? That was fine. So I, I, I literally told myself I'm not allowed to buy any more shoes. Um, Lies. I, but no, like, I didn't say I'm never buying shoes again. I just said I'm not buying more shoes right now. I, I, I hit my quota. At this very second in February. <laughs> I didn't buy any more. I haven't bought any more shoes since my birthday. I just want to point that out. Um, so this is a good, this is a good run for me. Um, what I do for self-care, there are two things that I'm very, um, big about is working out. Um, three things, making sure my space is organized. I will not say clean because that is also a construct of this whole, like, it must be perfect. No, as long as the floor is mopped and things are dusted and things are in a place that I know where they are and I can get to them. I'm good. But my, my place is definitely not a mess. And also therapy. Um, we have been programmed to believe to hit certain milestones and certain things. And, and, you know, being a child who was deemed as gifted even was a thing. Um, because that's an internal stress level that, you have to deprogram yourself from. You know, we all have been programmed into this mentality of I must do certain things. So I work out five to six times a week, whether it be a hardcore, you know, high intensity workout or just walk around the block for 30 minutes. I make sure I move. Um, and um, Laura was one of my cheerleaders when I ran the marathon two years ago. Um, I was, that was a goal of mine. But I never would put on somebody to be like, you should run a marathon. That's not, that's not realistic. But what you should do is try to move. Get up and, and walk for 10 minutes, walk for 15 minutes, bit by bit. It didn't, I didn't start running marathons overnight. That took me almost 15 years to get to the point to run to, to a marathon. So it's also giving yourself realistic expectations. And going to therapy allows me to also not put myself under so much pressure. Um, being a an entrepreneur being a, a, a businesswoman that works for yourself is not easy. I, but I love it. Um, opportunities still do come for working full time. And I do look at them and I, and I'm totally about whatever the right opportunity is that allows me to bring all of my experiences into one place where I can be my authentic self. You know, I am, I can be militant when I need to. I can pull some receipts and, and literally school you. I am literally, I am very good at teaching. Um, but my, but you will compensate me for that. Um, another thing that I actually did not bring up is my master's degree in um, international labor relations that I got in 2019 from Cornell. I, because of that, I do some DEI work where I do trainings now. That's also something that I do. But I, it's literally, I take the opportunities as they come along and I don't allow myself to say I can't do it unless it's something that I'm, that's just not my expertise. I can't, believe me, I can't do everything. What I'm good at is teaching. That is what I'm put on this earth to do is to teach. So the, the, the levels of where I teach are through travel, are through literally teaching, and through advertising and marketing, building experiences. That's how I teach. 
And I want to make sure that people get a chance to, to explore all your opportunities. I have been blessed to be able to do a lot of different things. And I'm thankful as, you know, 2020 allowed us all to sit down and kind of take stock of, of life in general. It really had me think like, I really have been blessed to do a lot. You know, I've met the celebrities, I've, I've gone to the places, there's still other things. that. But the thing is, I want to do more. There's more things that I, I look forward to doing. It's not, I don't want to be stagnant either. I want to be able to say, I plan events on every continent in this world. So Antarctica, I got to figure out something, but we're going to do something. <laughs> in Antarctica. Um, I want to be able to put those things together, you know, I, but I enjoy the flexibility of being able to be like, you know, for this month, I'm just going to be, I'm, just, I'm not doing anything. I'm going to be on a beach. You got to holler at me, you know, we got to talk business, we'll talk business. But it's also, this time also created a, a space where I recognized I needed to give myself rest. I did not, I had been going pretty much hardcore since I was 18. I am no longer 18, I am 43. This was my first opportunity to really stop. Mm-hmm. And not stop because, you know, I'm in a hospital or something like that. No, stop and take stop. Now, and as unfortunate as how this has had to happen, I'm thankful for it. I am sorry. I, I do honor those lives that have been lost because of, of the ineffectiveness of leadership that major countries have been under. The tide is turning. I look forward to seeing us in a better space five months from now. Things can be completely, things will be completely different. But recognizing that we now have, we're looking at things through a different lens. And I am excited to see how this continues to progress. You know, that's so true. It really, I, I have to agree with you. Like, you know, we've talked about this. Yeah, like I actually got to sit down for like a year. and. Mm -hmm. And be like, oh, I have done the damn thing. Uh, so it, this is actually pretty good. And sleeping was necessary. I needed to stop. So right there with you. We're so excited to have Soho Works as the sponsor for the 29 Days of Magic campaign. You know, they're designed by Soho House and their workspaces to help creative thinkers, businesses small and large, connect, collaborate, and grow. And it's where I'm recording all the episodes of 29 Days of Magic. It's a safe wonderful and collaborative experience. Uh, I'm currently in the Brooklyn location, but they have locations, one else in New York City, in the Meatpacking District, one in LA, five in the UK, and they give you that kind of home away from home feeling with all the tools, technology, equipment to help you do your best work. Uh, like I said, it's an amazing location, feel safe. I've you know been able to meet some really awesome people, which you haven't been able to do a lot because of the fact of COVID. So it's been a wonderful experience being able to re record here and help build community. So if you want to find out more information about it, please go to SohoWorks.com to get more information and tell them I sent you. And now back to the show. Um, one of my all-time favorite things was running around in Manhattan um, when you're running the marathon with my hilarious signs. <laughs> <laughs> Which I have right beside me, actually, all rolled up. You still uh, have them? <laughs> I still have them. They're not going anywhere. Those are, those are not leaving my, 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 my office area for a very long oh. time. I think the one I remember the most is that, I mean, this is not my run of show. <laughs> <laughs> that had me laugh literally out loud on the road. And that's actually something 
that the excitement of running the city I was born in, as I said, I said, I'm, I got to do a marathon, but if I do nothing else, I'm going to do New York City for the reason of to be able to go through all the boroughs and the, the energy that New York gives is none other. And my friends who have run others are just like, yeah, New York, there's no other place like New York to run a marathon. People like, people are just cheering you on just because it's, it's a, it is a feat. 27.5 is what I ended up doing. It's mm-hmm. a feat. And I'm thankful for it. Um, and it also taught me like, it's, it really is about preparation and training. Continue forward. Preparation and do it your way. The way that um, the training books would have had me doing, I'd, I'd have probably overran and injured myself. So I started a little bit on that path of like taking rests, doing things my way. Now I'm here in, you know, we're about to hit officially one year or we've hit one year of the beginning of the pandemic. But as far you know, March 13th, I think is when we shut down last year. It'll be a year of all of the madness that we went through. And we're still going through it because of, unfortunately, those who think in a me mentality rather than a we mentality. Yeah, it's so insane. And it, you you pointed to so eloquently. It's just like, it's we, not me. And, you know, I hope this brings back a culture of kindness where you can be good to your fellow human being and just, you know, just be good to folks. I mean, that's the thing that always blows my mind. as just like, it doesn't take a whole lot to do a lot, just do a little bit of good. And it goes, so much further than you will ever know. And it's good for that person. It's good for your soul um, by being good to folks. Um, you know, obviously I could talk to you forever. So last question, my darling. Um, do you have a give and or an ask of the audience? My ask of the audience is for you to take stock of everything you said you wanted to do and start doing it. There really isn't anything you can't go ahead and do. You want to be a fashion designer? Go do it. Everything is available for you to go ahead and do. There is no, I've been able to basically have about seven different careers in the four decades I've been on this planet. That's awesome. And if you don't, and if that's, and if that's not your thing, that's also fine. But take stock of what you wanted to do. If all you wanted to do was sketch all day and drawing your little book or you wanted to design some clothes for Barbie, take that. Live in that joy of being, of the simplicity of doing something that just gives you joy. It doesn't have to necessarily make you money. That's also something that I am not a fan of when it comes to this now, like, you gotta make this money on this culture and, you know, flip this, flip that. Not everybody's built to do this. Please don't go ahead out here and and, and do stuff that you're not, it's not for you. If you are a, if you are great at your career, bring somebody up who wants to do these things. If you want to, if you have been working for the government for the last 20 years and you see some, some young man or some young woman who looks like, who looks like you, who wants to do what you do, bring them in, figure out a way to help them. You know, I, I really wouldn't be where I am if it wasn't for friends, colleagues who thought of me highly enough to recommend me for things. 
that's how I've gotten where I am. Not because, you know, I'm amazing and I have all these great degrees and all that stuff. You can have 16 degrees. If you a shitty person, you a shitty person. Bingo. <laughs> so, and you're not going to get recommended. But the attitude, the can't, you know, you mentioned this and I've heard this about myself a lot is that I will get it done. And if I come to you saying I can't figure it out, it's because I went through A through Z and probably A squared to D squared. And I'm like, okay, I've, I've, I've run out of gas now. I, I don't know what, what, to, what else to do. You know, my, that's, I'm in that capacity. I'm tenacious in that. I don't, I'm also not perfect. I can forget things. I don't remember stuff all the time, I, but I'm also building in those, and I've built in some of those catch-alls to make sure I don't lose everything. So that's the one thing I would say back to the audience. Do what made you happy when you were a child. Bring somebody up. So because, you know, we're not living in a, you know, I'm Gen X. Gen Y and Gen Z are coming up behind us and they are a mess. I got to see that personally. <laughs> Working and teaching them. They're a mess. They just want somebody to basically reach out and be like, you got this. It's okay. Just the same way you did when you were their age. You want somebody to be like, it's okay. You can do this. Those little voices of confidence really, truly help somebody get to that next level. Perfect. Wonderful advice. And so very true. Like at this, especially at this moment, it's just like people like do what makes you happy. Um, and, you know, I think this podcast has been such a gift because it gives me the opportunity to talk to people who I adore and admire. Uh, and so it's, it's just a joy to have you on the show, Miss Ms. Peterson. <laughs> um, Thank you, Miss Mignon. I appreciate uh, you. Uh, and uh, so if you want to pick up Arlene, um, I'll put her details in the show notes. Um, you can ask her about running or biking or high heels. Oh, yeah, um, that's what I bike too. I, I can't stay still, y'all. That's part of my other thing. I really can't. If I stay still, no, I she get, really cannot stay still. Yeah, she likes bikes faster than I do, but, you know, I'm getting there. Uh, but absolutely, I mean, I'm, I'm just so delighted to see how wonderfully full circle you are in every single thing you do. And um, you're just, you're just fantastic. And one of my faves. So with that, that is our show. Thank you.